Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Do you know how easy it is to buy an investment property from New Western? Just head over to New Western's real estate marketplace, find investor-vetted properties, get help from the New Western team of real estate specialists, save time and money, and buy the perfect property for your goals. See, told you, it's easy. Or you could try to find profitable deals yourself, I guess. But that means becoming an area expert and talking to dozens of agents and sellers. From there, you'll have to comp properties, calculate ARVs, make offers, and more offers. And by then, you might be stuck in analysis paralysis. I think we go with New Western instead. New Western makes real estate investing easy. New Western acquires a new property every 13 minutes for their marketplace of over 150,000 investors. And with New Western's licensed agents who are local investing experts, your next investment property is much closer than you think. Check out newwestern.com, become an investor in their marketplace for free, and get local investment-grade properties in your inbox. They don't call it mailbox money for no reason. That's newwestern.com to find your next investment property. Only 13 minutes until a new property pops up. So get clicking. Hey, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined today by Kathy Fecky. Kathy, we have a show that I think is kind of tailor-made for you today. We're going to have Allison Williams, who's the Senior Vice President of Small Balance Lending at Walker & Dunlop, join us today. She's going to talk about lending in the smaller multifamily space. Kathy, this is kind of your wheelhouse, right? It is. And I think um, our listeners today are going to be really excited about some new information that she's going to share. Absolutely. So you're going to want to check out this episode because we talk a lot about 
first and foremost, what's going on in the smaller multifamily market. And when we talk about this, we are talking about some one to four, you know, two to four units, but generally speaking, commercial properties that are just smaller in asset value. So we're going to talk about what's going on with default rates, if valuations are going to go down. But then Allison's also going to share with us some really helpful, practical information for anyone who currently owns these types of deals or who wants to get into these types of deals, how you can appeal and get funding right now, because funding is a little bit harder. So this is a really good practical thing for everyone to pay attention to. All right. With no further delays, let's bring on Allison Williams, Senior Vice President and Chief Production Officer at Walker & Dunlop. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash pockets, fundrise.com slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Did you know that short and medium-term rentals often offer double the cash flow compared to long-term rentals? Well, it's true. And rental retirement just made investing in them easier than before. Now you can buy fully turnkey short and medium-term rentals that are newly built or renovated, leased, and managed. Maximize your cash flow, appreciation, and equity while the rental retirement team takes care of all of it for you. Plus, their creative financing options like interest rate buy-downs can get you a rate in the low fives. And their investor loans let you buy multiple properties with as little as 5% down. Not 20%. 5% down. But why buy with rent to retirement? They're investors just like you and me and rock one of the highest reputations across bigger pockets with more five-star reviews than any other company on our site. And I think that's a pretty big deal. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make your moves count. Bought a rental? That's a move. Made some serious stock gains? That's a move. Quit your job to go full-time on your side hustle? That's a move. Relocated for a fresh start? Okay, that's literally a move. Your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Whether you moved on from a job, made moves in your own business, did some side hustling, or house flipped your way to financial freedom, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction that you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy, and getting your max refund guaranteed. Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. TurboTax will make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Allison, welcome to On The Market. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. So today we're going to be talking about small balance lending. For those in our audience, or perhaps for a podcast host who doesn't know what that means, could you please explain it for us? 
Well, I'm not surprised you don't know what that means if you're referencing yourself. Um, I am. The terminology is a, a terminology that I think we use mostly internally and at some lender programs. But to sum it up, um, I work at Walker and Dunlop and I run one of our lending departments that focuses on small multifamily loans. So we call them small balance. What that really means is that our loan sizes start at a million and um, our team really focuses on the $1 million to $15 million multifamily lending environment. And so asset values could be anywhere from like a million five uh, or, you know, significantly higher if it's a really low loan to value in our group. But small balance just really means the size of the loan and nothing else. Are you usually working with individuals or, or small funds at that yeah. level? Yeah. Uh, so a lot of individuals, I would say um, the main difference in the group that, you know, the, the borrower classification that we're working with and maybe some of our larger institutional groups is they are either um, individuals that own these real estate assets outright 100% by themselves. They could be syndicators where they're actually going out and raising funds and they're really the general partner, but they have a lot of limited partners behind them or they're smaller family offices. Um, and they're really just, you know, I think everybody, I would say for, for the most part is really just trying to create generational wealth. Um, so they all have the same goal, but they just have a different way of doing business and getting their deals. And in the bigger pocket sort of retail real estate investor world, when we say small multifamily, often we're talking about specifically two to four unit properties. Is that what you're talking about or just smaller asset size of commercial assets? So for us, uh, it, it's really commercial uh, multifamily assets. So for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, they really define small multifamily as five units or greater. Um, and then the single family would be the one to four units. However, this past year, Freddie Mac made a change to their program that did allow for portfolios of the two to four units to actually be eligible. So those need to be within like a three mile radius. So there is some uniqueness to that program, but it does now allow for borrowers that have larger portfolios of these assets together uh, to be eligible for agency financing. Oh my gosh. Well, I am just so excited to hear about that because we yes. <laughs> have a fund now built to rent with one to four units right next to each other. So you're going to be hearing from me, Allison. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but I'm curious because I heard that commercial real estate uh, purchases were down 50%. You know, Is that applying to you or in small balance, are you seeing something different? Yeah. So um Correct, right? So the overall multifamily acquisition market is down north of 50% this year. The lending market is down about 40%, according to the latest NBA um, forecast. But the agency world, which is Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, which we are the largest agency lender in America, um, they are only down about 20% this year. So while we are seeing a lot of capital providers stepping out of the market, like banks, community, um, you know, local community banks, regional players, maybe some um, private lenders that were doing some more value add bridgey type loans. Those are kind of stepping to the sidelines. The agencies are actually here to provide capital in these uncertain times um, and a very, you know, accretive cost of capital as well compared to where the banks are trading. So while the market is down, we're not down nearly as much, uh, just given that, you know, we have access to both Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And just for everyone listening, when Allison says MBA, that's the Mortgage Bankers Association. They release tons of great data about the state of the mortgage market and volume. A lot of it is free, so you can check that out. 
Allison, before we go any further, I'm curious how you got into small balance lending and what makes you like this subsector of the lending industry so much. Absolutely. So I've actually been in the industry for 20 years. Um, I actually started um, originally as an analyst underwriting deals, and then I, I moved into a sales originator role, which is like a mortgage broker. Um, I was on the sales side for 14 years um, and then took a, a position with management to really build out Walker and Dunlop's small balance platform. So my historical experience had always been in the larger loan space. Um, and we really just wanted to bring that high level of customer service, customer touch to the small balance sector. We felt that it really wasn't getting the love and attention it needed. And so we started to focus on it. And so if you look up Walker and Dunlop, you'll see that we have these really you know, big, audacious drive to 25 goals. And one of them was to specifically focus on the small balance sector. And I think the thing that... Uh, why it's so interesting to us is that it's highly affordable. And what I mean by that is it provides the majority of workforce housing to America. And so you cannot you know, actually be a player in the workforce housing space without being in the small balance sector, which is why we're really committed to the space as well as the agencies. Oh my gosh, we share a passion there of providing affordable housing to people. It's so needed. Are you seeing uh, distress? I mean, obviously there's distress with people trying to find housing or trying to fi find an affordable place to live. There's also a lot of stress with landlords. Are you seeing that in, in small balances? I mean, obviously we're seeing it across the board in commercial real estate, but specifically in small balance or is there a difference? I wouldn't say we're seeing it specifically in small balance. We're seeing it uh, in general. And I think the, the common trends and the deals that are starting to have a little bit of hair on them or trouble is either maybe borrowers that grew a little too fast, right? They acquired too many deals at once, maybe didn't have the experience or a professional third-party management firm to really help them grow at that scale that quickly. And those deals are struggling a little bit. Um, the other part is just inflation, right? If you look at just where operating expenses have gone on these assets between real estate taxes, insurance, uh, just utilities, you know, those are up 10, 15% year over year. And that's really in affecting the cash flow of these deals. Um, and then borrowers are making hard decisions. You know, do you, do you, you know, invest in capital improvements at the asset? and keep it really, you know, just as a, a really solid quality? Or do you use that money to pay debt service, you know, which just given the inflationary aspect that we're seeing right now. So I would say borrowers that have deeper pockets, more liquidity, maybe that, you know, weren't so heavily syndicators are having a better time, an easier time. And those that grew a little too fast or that were heavy syndication acquisitions are, are, are starting to struggle a little bit. But in general, I think the I don't want to make it sound like it's really bad because it's really not the actual default rate uh, in our world, which is really a non-recourse space that we play in. And I can discuss that a little bit more here in a minute is um, it's less than 50 basis points. And so it's 0.5 percent default rate for ours. So wow. it's historical lows. It's still lower than what we saw during the covid recession. It's lower than what we saw in the great financial recession. Um, and so while it's in the news right now, a lot of people are talking about it, it's not anywhere near the level that we saw on those two historical events. I saw that recently, just looking across commercial assets at default rates, and they're lower than 
I would have thought, given the headlines that you see about commercial real estate right now. Well, only the big deals make the news. <laughs> yes, right. I, I guess that's I guess that's the, the situation is there's a couple high profile ones and people latch on to that. But given the environment, do you expect default rates to go up? I do. I mean, I think that we are going to see them increase. I don't think that they'll get to the levels that we saw with the last great financial recession that we had. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing that we're we're dealing with right now is just the cost of capital has, you know, increased 3x on borrowers. Um, and, you know, kind of what I was talking about earlier, we do non-recourse financing. And so what that might be different from a lot of the listeners here is where you're buying a one to four unit asset and you might go get a um, investment property loan from the agencies, which is more like a single family loan, where they're really underwriting your net worth, your liquidity, and maybe your um, income that you have personally. What we're underwriting is actually the income that comes off of these assets. And so we're really hyper-focused on you know, what's the income, less the expenses, and that ends up with a, a net income, also known as a net operating income. And that is how we size our loans. That's how we determine what kind of loan amount you can get. And what kind of loan amount you could have gotten at a 4.5% interest rate is significantly different than what you can get today at a 7.5% interest rate. And I think in the default question, I think we'll, what we will start to see is deals that will come up for loan maturity, which that means their loan is due. They you know, did an initial five-year term or a seven or a 10-year term. Um, those loans will be coming due. And to give you an idea of the scale of this, just in multifamily alone, there's about $250 billion that comes due next year. And the majority of that is with banks. Um, the agencies do not have a large pipeline of loans that are maturing because they typically do longer term 10 year loans. But there is a, a substantial amount of bank maturities that are coming due as well as bridge loan maturities. And those deals are going to be dealing with, you know, they originally went in at a probably a 3% rate and today it's a 7.5% rate. And those borrowers are either going to have to sell the asset just so they can, you know, get out of the loan. And then the new buyer will come in and right size the deal to whatever debt level the cash flow could actually get us to today. Or they're going to have to come to the table with cash to be able to refinance into a lower loan amount because of just that interest rate change that happened. Or they could potentially give back the keys. And that's the benefit of non-recourse lending is those are non-recourse, that means we do not come after the client as long as they um, act appropriately and they hand us back the keys, but they will lose their equity that they have in the deal. And then it's us as a lender, our responsibility to go and sell that asset and try to be made whole. So we haven't seen a ton of asset valuation deterioration yet. Like that values have come down some, but we had such a substantial amount of rent growth the last couple of years that most of these deals could still sell for, you know, their basis. And by basis, I mean, like what they paid plus all their improvements. Now, they may not get this massive, you know, increase in profitability at the end of the day, but that's much better than losing everything by going through a foreclosure. 
Well, that that is just what I was going to ask is I know there's so many investors on the sidelines waiting for values to come down, waiting to jump in to multifamily. And uh, that just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> or do you think it will? Do you think it's I mean, you just answered it. You said probably not. They, they maybe just I mean, I think this. we will. I, I, I think we will see deals. I, I actually think that we're going to see a lot of deals um, in the acquisition market next year. I think there will be there's been a lot of people that sat on the sidelines all year long thinking that the Fed was going to decrease rates in the fourth quarter. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, and so they've been postponing and kicking the can on you know their loan maturity, thinking that, hey, I'm going to be able to refinance and rates are going to be substantially better. And that just hasn't happened. And so I do think that you know going into next year, you're going to see a lot of these borrowers who thought they were going to be refinancing actually selling. Um, and the positive to people out there looking is that those deals will trade at a lower value today than what it was, you know, a year ago or two years ago, but it's not necessarily going to be, you know, like a, a 2015 or 2012 level. Like we're not, we haven't seen enough decrease in value to get us back to that. So it will be a better deal, but it's relative to compared to what you're trying to go after. And I think everybody, me too, I would love to be able to get some, you know, buying power, you know, back to like the 2008 to 2012 level, but I just don't see us getting there. I think that's really important for people to remember here that even when you see these double digit declines in values for office space or maybe in multifamily, that that is off a really high peak that grew really dramatically throughout the pandemic era. And most asset values, at least what I've seen, are still well above pre-pandemic levels. So I think the people who bought, you know, three, four, five, six years ago are still doing pretty well in terms of their equity value. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the people who are at risk are people who perhaps bought in late 2021 or in the last year and a half um, who may have bought near peak valuations and even slight declines then could put them in trouble. Absolutely. And I think the other thing too is there's a lot of people that bought in 21 and 22 that bought an older asset trying to do an improvement plan to bring it up to you know a, a better class of an asset. And then they got hit with construction delays and construction increases. And so all of a sudden, their basis, how much they paid, plus their capital improvements went through the roof, right? They probably lost that equity. I mean, it, it stinks. It really does. But the answer is, is they probably lost that equity unless they can sit in that deal for a very long time until interest rates come back down and cap rates normalize and they can get out. But the reality is most people that are doing that significant bridge you know, play, which is where they're putting dollars into the interiors or exteriors, they did shorter term loans and those loans will be coming due. And those are the deals that I think that um, will have a real opportunity for other people to come in and acquire. But we just have to be realistic about what is that price. Again, it's not going back to the Great Recession levels. It's just a normalized value. And, and for those new to the concept, can you explain that bridge loan scenario? That's yeah. one of the reasons I stayed out. Uh, I, I, It just didn't make sense. So yeah, if you could explain the bridge loan and why people were doing that and what you can expect today, what, what uh, an investor should be coming to the table with in terms of down payment. Absolutely. So the the popular bridge program that was really selling off the shelves was was basically a three year term. So the lender would do a three year term, and this was 21, 20, 21, 22, and even some in nineteen. Honestly, um, 
And so those deals were structured as a three-year term, and then they do have extension periods, but those extension periods require a certain performance hurdle, right? So you don't just automatically get your extension. You have to show that you executed on your business plan to be able to execute. The reality is, is most people weren't able to execute because of construction delays and cost. So let's ignore the fact that they might have an extension because it likely won't happen. So they're an initial three-year term and the lender basically provides, so say it's a $10 million loan. The lender would provide 75% of the purchase price at closing. So you could acquire that asset and then they would provide 100% of your CapEx plan. So if you wanted to go put another $2 million in that asset, you would basically have an initial funding of the 7.5 and then you would have the ability to draw down an additional $2 million as you do those repairs. And so that loan goes from seven and a half to $9 million just by doing that. And the, the lender, the way they're looking at it is they're saying, well, what's my exit strategy? How can I get out of that deal? And when we wrote deals in 21 and 22, we were forecasting, you know, continued rent increases, we were definitely not forecasting expenses to increase at the levels that they have. And we absolutely were not forecasting that interest rates would be close to seven and a half or eight percent to get out of it. And so <laughs> that's the trouble, right? And so we know for a fact all of those deals will require substantial equity. That means cash, borrowers bringing cash to the table to refinance that, or they'll be forced to sell. So, Allison, we've talked a little bit about potential declines, maybe increases in defaults. But as a lender, you are probably uniquely able to answer a question that has been on my mind. <laughs> what does a good deal look like right now? Because you're clearly still lending. So what deals are being done and where are they? Yeah. Um, so I actually, I did some math. You see my little sheet. I did some math <laughs> to give you guys some ideas because I wanted to to speak in a language that everybody could understand. Um, and so, you know, I think most borrowers or, you know, developers or asset owners come into this business thinking that they want decent leverage, right? And by leverage, I mean, you know, if you're, again, buying a $10 million loan, you want, if you wanted 75% leverage, that means you need a $7.5 million loan. So I'll break it down for you what that means today. So in order to get to a seven, 75% leverage loan, which means you bring 25% cash to the table, you need to buy that deal at what we would call an 8% cap rate. And the cap rate is basically taking your net income, so that's your rent, less all of your operating expenses before your debt service payment, and dividing it by 8%. If you can do that and get to your purchase price, you've got a solid deal and you can get 75% leverage. But if that cap rate is, let's see, I did the math here. If that cap rate is 6%, you're only going to get a 57% leverage loan today. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That means you got to bring a lot of cash to the table to transact. And so my advice to anyone looking for deals is really honing in on the in-place cash flow today of that asset, not the future. You know, don't, don't assume you're going to be able to have substantial rent growth. You're going to be able to decrease expenses, not in today's environment. That's really challenging. But look at the in-place income today and apply that cap rate to it. 
And if you're not somewhere between that seven and 8% and you need a lot of leverage to make the deal work, you should move on. Um, and, and to our, you know, our conversation earlier, Dave, like bar sellers aren't yet hurting so much that they're willing to just let something go at an eight cap. That's not happening that often. Right. So people just need to be realistic about the deals they're chasing and whether or not they can actually transact. Well, Allison, Kathy, before you ask another question, I just need to commend you because it took me, I just looked it up. It took me 410 pages to explain <laughs> something you just explained in like a minute. So yeah. thank yeah. you for making that a lot more understandable for our audience yeah. than I've ever been able to. <laughs> Appreciate that. Wow. Yeah, that's seems almost impossible. I mean, one of the things I, I have a lot of people pitching deals to me and one thing that they keep leaving out, it, it's amazing, is is the increase in taxes. Yeah. I, do you see, I mean, as a lender, how are you protecting yourself in these uncertain times? So uh, from a tax standpoint, we actually do underwrite what the taxes would be after, you know, year one. So after a reassessment. So some states are non-disclosure states. Maybe they reassess taxes every four years. But there's a lot of states that reassess January 1 of the following year. And so we look at that and we apply that that increase into our underwriting to make sure that we have enough cash flow to cover that, you know, all the expenses that the properties accruing, plus obviously the interest payment. And then the other big increase that we're seeing is, is insurance. Insurance is yes. honestly, particularly in the Sun Belt, just a, just a disaster. <laughs> I live in Florida, so wow. I can say that. Um, and that is another area that, you know, those two line items are a huge, huge portion of your entire operating expenses. And so we really dig in on those two things to make sure that one, the borrower has the appropriate insurance in place. So if there was a national disaster, they're not, you know, they're not hurting and they're not going to have a substantial loss that could affect us. And then on the real estate tax side, same, we're just making sure that there's enough cash flow to cover that and we're not over leveraging those deals. What other blunders do you see in, um, in the underwriting that people are submitting? Um, what are lenders like capital sources or, or? Oh, no, like the investors trying to get loans from you and you. Oh. you <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the deals that are the deals that are working, we're seeing a lot work in the central region. So that would be like the Midwest down to Texas, um, you know, in some of the smaller, like tertiary secondary pockets like those deals, you know, they already started at higher cap rates. Mm -hmm. So they've moved a little bit and they're probably at a seven plus cap rate, you know, but if you're trying to buy an asset in California or trying to buy an asset in Florida, like you're going to have to come to the table with some more cash for it. Um, and, you know, what I always tell my clients is really look at your replacement cost, right? Like what we're going through right now is a little bit of a bubble. Like we cannot, like this, you know, 8% interest rate market is not normal. I've been doing it 20 years. This is the highest I've ever seen. Um, but if you can go in and you can bring cash to the table and you're buying it at a solid basis that you can't replace, right? Like irreplaceable location, phenomenal, you know, suburb, great schools, great, you know, economic drivers, workforce drivers, and a good replacement cost and solid bones like that's you should try to figure out how to make that work, you know, and then make sure you're staying in areas that you understand and don't try to, you know, go out over your skis and really start investing in markets that you're uh, not familiar with, unless you can really pull in local third party management that has that experience. Because um, again, I think that people, you know, think that you can just pick up your business model and move it wherever. But the reality is, is you, is you can't. It's not that simple. 
financing is a little bit easier in terms of like that's that's a standard formula, but operating a property, that's a specialty, right? That's like a special touch and you got to figure that out. So would you lend to a first time investor? So we do. And one of our, so Freddie Mac does not typically, but Fannie Mae will lend to a first time um, operator if they've been an investor in other assets, right? So we don't want somebody that's just coming in off the street saying, hey, I'm going to buy my first loan or first property. I've never done this before. But if they have, you know, somewhat of a track record or have been in the business, then we will look at that. Now, we might be a little more conservative on those loans. We definitely would want third-party management. We want to make sure that management company has a lot of units nearby with a track record. We would do a deep dive into, you know, their resume, you know, what is their property performance. Um, And then we really look at net worth and liquidity, making sure that that investor has, you know, enough funds to put in this deal. Um, And that isn't, you know, if it has a hiccup, isn't going to have to turn the property back in. I mean, these are non-recourse loans, but we don't want to own them. Um, But we definitely want to make sure that, you know, somebody can handle a hiccup or two. So if someone's not experienced, then they could have a partner who is, and then they get their resume built that way. Absolutely. We see that all the time. So we'll we'll have somebody come in, we evaluate them, and, and we say, look, you can't do it alone, but do you have somebody else maybe that was a mentor to you in the business that's willing to come on and also sign that loan with you? And that usually is what we see happen. Allison, before we leave, I'm curious if you have any other advice with your from your experience as a lender for investors who are trying to navigate this tricky market. I mean, I think my biggest advice is don't wait. Um, a lot of people waited this entire year to do something about a loan that they had on the books because they thought rates were going to come down faster than than what I think we all think now. And if you look at you know what the economists are kind of forecasting for next year, it's going to stay high for quite a while. Um, and so if you have that loan maturity coming up anytime in the next 12 months, maybe even 18 months, like you should start thinking about what you're going to do there. Um, and I think the thing too, people need to understand is the banks can't lend to the level that they've lent historically. They have higher reserve requirements. They have capacity issues right now. They've, you know, they have, um, just a lot of headwinds to say the least. And if people are waiting on that lender and expecting that lender to be able to really just extend their loan, they may be in for a shock when they actually have that conversation. And so it's making sure you have the right advisor um, to really figure out, you know, what is the right loan for me if I wanted to refinance that? And I think that just given where the agencies are right now in terms of being able to be a really low cost capital provider compared to other private lenders and banks, it definitely needs to be, uh, you know, one of the options that people are looking at. And if they're not, they may miss out on just some really great terms. That's excellent advice. Thank you so much, Allison. If people want to learn more about your work, your team, your loan products, where can they do that? So it's a very long website. So I'll just say, <laughs> go to Google and uh, search Walker and Dunlop Small Balance Lending, and you will see um, our website will come up. There is a request to quote form where you can fill out some information about, you know, the deals that you're looking at. We've got a team of um, originators, which are our sales professionals that are across the U.S. with different specialties. You can reach out to any one of them and they can be of service. 
Awesome. And we will definitely put a link to your website in the show description and the show notes for anyone who is interested. Allison, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure, really insightful. We appreciate you being here. Yes, thank you so much. Great meeting both of you. This was your kind of show, Kathy. What did you think of it? Oh, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, one that I've seen so many people bring deals to me where they were assuming that uh, rates would come down. And, you know, <laughs> I was too. And I don't think that's going to be happening. Glad I'm glad I passed on those deals because assumptions are just that. You know, mm-hmm. that people are guessing. And a lot of times they're guessing on the exit cap rate. Totally. And I've been seeing a lot of deals come by where they're like, oh yeah, we're going to be able to exit at this 5% cap. And it's like, well, how do you know? You don't know where the market's going to be in a few years. Honestly. Yeah. I I was thinking during this that we should do an episode or maybe like a YouTube video on a sensitivity analysis. Whenever I invest in a, a fund or anything, I look at that and you basically look at the assumptions of anyone who's bringing you a deal and you say, they think you're going to get a 6% exit cap, but what if it's 4%? What if it's 8%? And you can start mm-hmm. looking at your returns based on different scenarios to make sure that you're protected in case the syndicator, even if they have the best intentions, are wrong about what the exit cap's going to be because it has a huge implication on valuations and what your returns are actually going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And we're in times where it's just not so stable. It's not like uh, you know, oh, we're, we can expect more of the same. I think we can expect more of the same, and that is high rates. Yeah, totally. And I just think, like you, you know, you see these deals you're talking about with people want assuming an exit cap is going to be at five or five and a half percent, and it just doesn't sound realistic to me, given like what other assets are offering out there, like the risk adjusted returns on a multifamily with a five and a half cap rate is just not very good right now. And so I just think you're counting on dynamics in the market changing a lot, which is obviously outside of your control. And as an investor, you don't want to bank on things that are outside of your control being essential to driving returns. That just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And the the part of the interview where she said, uh, you know, next year, a lot of there'll be a lot of refinances and people were expecting that things would be better. And it could be. I mean, it could be that we do that we do find ourselves in a mild recession next year and rates come down and they're in a better position than they would be today. But we just don't know. Absolutely not. But I did love hearing that there are still good deals out there. You know, the Midwest, there are still deals that are doing well. And I think it was really interesting what she said about not waiting I think that's true for purchases, but particularly for people who need to refinance, like people who are current operators who are going to be facing a a loan coming due or an adjustment in interest rate should really start thinking about what they're going to do now. And I know it's tempting to wait six, 12 months to see if rates come down. But as she said, you know, banks don't have as much money to go around right now. So I don't think it would hurt you to start exploring your options right now. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right. Well, this was great. I I learned a lot. Hopefully everyone else learned a lot as well. Thank you all so much for listening. Kathy, thank you for joining us. And we'll see everyone for the next episode of On The Market. On The Market was created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. The show is produced by Kaylin Bennett with editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting is by Calico Content. And we want to extend a big thank you to everyone at Bigger Pockets for making this show possible. 
Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be a bit daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. And you start asking yourself questions like, is this actually a good deal? Did I run the numbers right? What if I can't find a tenant? Can I even afford this place? And what if I lose my job? But whatever you're going through, whatever questions are swirling through your head, rest assured that we've all been there. And the good thing is that there's a good way to overcome your doubts and hesitations. And that's with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 summer boot camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step -step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to hold you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or your next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily bootcamp or the short-term rental one, rookie bootcamp, and make sure to register by April 12th to get the lowest prices because prices do go up. So head to biggerpockets.com slash enroll me today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enroll me. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.